Welcome to Let Me Ascertain You, a podcast series featuring performances from the Civilian's ongoing investigative cabaret series. This episode is all about, what else? Porn. The performances you're about to hear come from interviews we did for our upcoming musical, Pretty Filthy. It's about the other Hollywood, the naked one, in the San Fernando Valley, the, well, the porn capital of the world. We went behind the scenes and interviewed countless directors, porn stars, agents, and beyond. Steve Cosson will direct with Bess Wall on book, and of course, Michael Friedman with original music and lyrics. Pretty Filthy goes up at Abrams Arts Center on the Lower East Side in New York City on January 30th. Tickets are on sale now, and here's a sneak peek. What you're about to hear has been workshopped and presented at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, who have graciously hosted us as their first theater company in residence. These pieces were performed in the Statue Garden amidst giant statues and busts of naked men and women. The perfect setting. Let's get into it. Everybody watches porn. And the ones that aren't are lying. You know, even if they feel it's the worst, they abhor it. They still want to see it. They want to know what it is that they hate. It's like watching the stuff from Vietnam, you know, the, the war movies where you see bodies blown up. You know, you don't want to look at it, but you do. You make something bad in the eyes of society and people flock to it. You know, all porno directors and producers aren't taking advantage of people. You know, trust me, there were times I could have taken plenty of advantage of plenty of people and I chose not to. You know, I got to wake up in the morning. I got to look in the mirror and say, dude, are you okay with what's going on here? And you know, there's more misogyny now than there was 20 years ago. You know, back then these girls were on pedestals and now they got their, their faces in toilets, you know. You know, I want to watch people laughing, having fun fucking, not a, you know, crying and whimpering. You know, that's not sexy, that's not hot, that's not sensual. You know? But I'm an old fashioned guy, my girlfriend will tell you. And there's these porn people that fight me all the time. You know, it's, it's like an army needs another army to fight or it's not an army, you know? And part of me is like, you know, grow the fuck up. But another part, I hope they never do, because I love the debate. You know, there were a lot of people for a long time that fought fights, they went to jail. They spent time in jail for pornography. And what's the definition of pornography? It's that which is obscene in the eye of the beholder. Now, what's the definition of pulchritude? That which is beautiful in the eye of the beholder. And it's spelled P-U-L-C-H-R-I-T-U-D-E, pulchritude. You know, when I went to work for Playboy as staff, some people thought that I was the bad boy. You know, because uh, <laughs> they had me in, they brought me in to direct live sex for television, and they wanted a porno director. Then everybody thinks I'm the devil. Because Playboy does not believe that it is pornographic in any way, shape, or form. So I made a big sign that said on it, I work for Playboy and I create pulchritude, pornography, or regular television content. Now you check which one you make. And I put it up on the wall. People asked me what pulchritude meant. And uh, I said... It's, 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 it's what's beautiful in the eye of the beholder. And that's what you guys believe what you guys are doing here, isn't it? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, that's what I believe I've been doing too. Yeah. It's all where you're standing, what you've been looking at. It's all what you've been taught. You know, I know people that hate black people because their parents hated black people. I know people that don't like Jews because their parents didn't like Jews. You stop, stop. You know, 
You know, if we didn't have Jews, there'd be no mainstream theater. You know, let it go. These people are out there doing great, wonderful things. But look, if porno is not for you, it's not for you. Don't watch it. Don't buy it. It's the same with alcohol, cigarettes. You know, it's simple. You know, as a parent, it's my responsibility to keep my kids away from the, uh, the medicine cabinet, from the, the chemicals under the sink, uh, from the gun cabinet, from the porno. And just realize that what you love, other people don't. And what you hate, other people don't. You know, it'd be nice for someone to let those of us in this business have the opportunity to put our best foot forward and to prove that I'm a humanist. You know, that's my philosophy in life. It, I, I really am. You know, in, my, in my philosophy class, Lieutenant Colonel Kessler came to visit us after being a POW, called himself a humanist. And I said to him, uh, sir, did you call yourself a humanist when you pushed the doors open and dropped the bombs on the women and the children in North Vietnam, as well as the Viet Cong? Was that an act of humanism? I think it was not. And I'm not saying that you deserve to be put into a POW camp. You know, there's just certain things about this world that I will never understand. And I will continue to try. Well, there's just always something. You know. It's a hateful world. You know, it's, it, it's scary out there. And there are pockets of love. And I make it my life's goal to float from one pocket to another and do my best to avoid the bumpy road in between. That was Damien Balde with an interview we did with Keith, a famous porn director who chose to remain anonymous. Next up, Janine Serralis performs the legendary Ginger Lynn talking about her various, uh, stalkers. Um, I try to answer almost every email I get. If you're a two to three sentence guy, uh, I'm gonna hit him right back. If you're a novel guy, I'm gonna read the first sentence of like the first page and go get a life. I'm sorry, get one of your own. You know, so I, sometimes I may be brutally honest where I may insult you, but I do try to answer almost every email. And I have a, I have a freak file, I have a feel good, save forever file, I have a bunch of files and um, uh, I've had uh, stalkers. Um, <laughs> A couple of years ago, I decided to uh, write a book, and there were all these people who wanted to write this book with me. But one of them was this professor at Syracuse University. And I met him, I was doing an interview for some magazine, and I, we started talking about my book, and he said, why don't I be a ghostwriter? And I said, you know, actually, I already have some people who I'm considering, and then, but what then happened with the other writers is that I told them each the same story. And then I read what they wrote and I'm like, oh, I'm a freaking slut. And then I read another one, I'm like, I'm such a bitch. And then I read another one and I'm like, oh, I'm such a victim. But this professor, there was something there. So I thought we could work together. So he would fly to LA, I would fly to New York. Uh, I met his wife, his kids, he was, it was, I thought it was going great. And he was staying at a hotel in LA and he said, can you come here? I said, yeah, sure, yeah, we know each other. And I get to the hotel 
And he tries to kiss me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not really comfortable with this. We're working together. I respect you. Uh, I know your wife. I know your kids. You know my boyfriend. And he flipped out. And so I did what I do. I hit him and I left. <laughs> and. You know, I, and when I, listen, when I'm uncomfortable, I, I fight and then I, I go to Maui. I go to Mexico. I just, I leave. And uh, so I left. I went to Mexico. And I get this horrible, horrible letter from him saying, I hope you rotten hell. I hope you get, I hope you get AIDS. Yeah things like that. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done. So it turns out that he had been building a shrine to me in his basement. And he had been stealing my underwear, <laughs> my personal belongings. I know his wife. He had this whole shrine built, and he lit it on fire, and he burned his house down. <laughs> burned. And so then his wife called me, and she's just furious with me. She's just blaming me for everything. I destroyed the family. I ruined everything. I never slept with this man. I never kissed this man. And he, he loves me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is this my first mainstream writer who like <laughs> believes in me, who like wants to work on this book? And oh, and, so, and then the other person was I met him at a club in Canada, and he wanted to design this board game about me. And I'm like, oh, this is so, this is so cool. But then he starts sending me these letters about um, vacations that we've been to together, places we've been, hundreds and hundreds of letters. So I go to my attorney, I'm like, this guy's a fucking freak, and... And he's like, all right, all right, um, we're gonna get married. We're gonna go on a second honeymoon. And then he sent me a wedding gown. A wedding gown. <laughs> I called the police. <laughs> and you know what, this is before uh, the stalker laws. And they're like, unless he does something, we can't do anything. And so the letters get more and more disgusting. They, like, more and more intimate. Like, we've been together for years and years and years, and no one cared. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is fucking crazy and scary. And so, and then he tried to, I can't believe I, uh, I thank God, I had a post office box. He, one day, he left Canada, he left his wife, and he came down and tried to, now my P.O. box is like, it's a, it's a, it's a wall. And he tried to, to put things in the P.O. box. Anyway, that is a federal offense. So he got arrested, so uh, locked up. His wife starts calling me. 
wanting me to testify against him. It turns out that he's this multimillionaire, like you know, the heir to an insane amount of money. It's crazy. And, he, and she wanted me to testify. I said, are you call you're calling me? Why are you calling me? Why did you marry this man? And she said, well, he's rich and now he's locked up. Can you help me? <laughs> and I said, well, are you fucking insane? No, 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 no. So the guy gets locked up and I still, I still have... Um, the postcard he sent me uh, from this insane asylum. And it is, uh, it is a picture of an insane asylum. And then, with a little arrow pointing to his room. I'm, you know, I'm, most of my fans are wonderful. I'm giving you extremes. I don't know why I told you these stories, but you asked me a question, so that's why I told you. Anyway. Thanks, Janine and Ginger. Now, Jennifer Morris performs the Tabitha Stevens, who doesn't hold back about her path to porn and her ups and downs with plastic surgery. And then, to send us off, the amazing Heidi Blickenstaff performs an original song written by Michael Friedman for Pretty Filthy, the musical, called Beautiful. Here's Jennifer. Uh, my sister's a first grade school teacher, and the other day she said to me, Remember when we used to play that game called Where Are You Gonna Be When You Get Old? And I always said that I was gonna be a teacher and I said that you were gonna be a hooker. You know, sure enough, here I am getting paid to have sex, so <laughs> it's pretty damn close. Um, I'm gonna be 40 in February and the MILF thing is really huge right now. Uh, I started in porn almost 20 years ago and here I am, still at it. I was raised Catholic from the East Coast, did all my sacraments and the whole big thing. And, and then again, I got married in the Catholic Church because that was the thing to do. My first husband was great. We bought this beautiful home. We lived in Las Vegas. He was a very cool guy, but he was always working. And I was this bored, rich housewife. There wasn't a lot of attention being paid to me. And I thought I was unattractive, was ugly. You know, I was this, I was that. I was at the gym probably three times a day, six days a week. Uh, this was before I started doing all the plastic surgery and stuff. You know, I, I, I started feeling like, what's wrong with me? My husband won't have sex with me. I got my first plastic surgery when I was 20 years old. I, I wanted boobs and um, I got them. <laughs> silicone. And th then it's on the news, you know, silicone's bad, take them out. Oh my God. So I kept them in for a while and um, then I changed to saline and uh, I went bigger and then I went bigger, bigger, bigger. And now I'm on boob job number six. Uh, I got my nose done. Uh, I wanted the tip of my nose to stand out more. Uh, there was nothing wrong with my nose, but when a doctor tells you, you know, you'd look really good with cheek implants and we can do this thing to your nose, it will balance out the cheek implants. And I go, okay, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> So you spend $19,000, you go, you have this done, and then you find out your cheek is shooting up into your eye. And, and you can't see anything. I, I, you can't really see the doctor, 
but you've signed your life away. So you go to a different doctor and he says, I can fix that. But you know, you look really good with cheek implants. It'll balance out your face. This is kind of crooked. I'm looking at myself and thinking, what did I do? You start getting addicted. Well, then I started having problems later. I, I couldn't feel certain things and it started to get weird. I, uh, I'm a super tiny person to begin with, but I like to be super lean when I'm shooting or anything. I like to be super tight. But the first thing that goes is the weight in your face, and I've got these cheek implants, and I'm looking like a freaking alien. I mean, yeah, I got a six-pack going on here, but I got a six-pack in my face as well. I look back at some of that old footage and I'm like, holy shit, like what is that in my face? And even now I went back, like on that, uh, on the last Dr. 90210, uh, I've been on five seasons. I'm the only celebrity guest that's been live on every single season. And I went back on and um, I had my, uh, I took my nose implant, which I still have my nose implant. The doctor took it out, he cut it in half and he put it back in. I had my implants removed, my chin implant. Uh, the doctor had actually put it in the middle of my chin and it's supposed to be down here. Uh, so instead when I would smile, I would get this weird square smile. I got nerve damage because of it. My cheek implants, I had them removed. The doctor had actually bolted them to my head. Yeah, I had titanium bolts in my bone. My, my gum, my, my teeth are really sore on this side, my right side, and I can like feel little ridges in my face. I don't like it. I get sinus infections and I can feel it in my cheek. I want them out. Plastic surgery is good in moderation. No, it is good for certain things. You just, you can't get crazy about it. It's kind of like a lesson. I'm teaching people, you know? But uh, I, people always turn it around, you know? They, they, they say shit like, she's the ugliest person in the world, she's crazy, she's gross, she's the ugliest person I have ever seen on the planet. I mean, no one's ever said it to my face. I read it. But, you know, people, they'll pick on anything. So you have to have a shield of armor around you. You know, you have to be strong and just blow it off.
was abused, I'm not in porn Cause someone was mean to me Or cause I had a problem with drugs Or because I was down and out, you know Not because I really needed love I had a lot of ideals that I wanted to do I had a lot of ideals that I wanted to do I wanted to be beautiful I wanted to be beautiful See the civilians live, including our musical Pretty Filthy, please visit us at www.thecivilians.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook to get all the details and tickets. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes to Let Me Ascertain You to find our other podcasts and be the first to hear new ones coming down the pike. Thank you for listening. <laughs>